Sibiha Torah today, that deals with the halachot of Kiddush Hashem. Halacha Aleph. כל בית ישראל מסובין על קידוש השם הגדול הזה, שנאמר ונקדשתי בתוך בני ישראל. The entirety of Am Israel, of the Jewish people, was prescribed or is tasked with, has the responsibility of um, distinguishing, for lack of a better translation, sanctifying this uh, great name, the name of, of God, as it is said, God says, Israel, I will find my distinction amongst the children of Israel. And on the other side, we also have a mitzvah not to defile the name of Hashem, not to make it something commonplace. In that same, in that same uh, uh, passage of the Torah, it says, you shall not defile the name of my distinction, of my holiness. He's sad. What does this mean? How so? In the if it happens that a person who is not from the Jewish people tries to force a Jewish person to violate one of the misvot that are prescribed by the Torah by the threat of death, this unfortunately happened too many times in history, as a general rule, we put life before fulfillment of the misvot. And life takes precedent. Even though we'd be violating uh, one of the commandments that God prescribed, uh, if our life is in danger, we should violate that commandment instead of being killed. Because generally, above the mitzvot, it was said, that the mitzvot are for men to do and live by them, live by them. So from the words live by them, the sages, Hachamim, decided to make a rule that says if the mitzvot, if by fulfilling the mitzvot, you are, the result is that you are not going to live, that someone is going to kill you, then uh, you should not do them. And not that he should die by them. Given that this is the law, if someone decides to be extra stringent and let themselves be killed instead of violating this certain commandment, then he's responsible for his own death. This person is responsible for his own death. I just want to point out, Halakha was not always like this. And in so it seems, in the book of Hashmonaim, in the book uh, that in English is called the Maccabees, the, the, the book that we that uh, that was written by the Hashmonaim, from which we know the events that took place for which we commemorate Hanukkah, um, they they used to not take up arms 
on Shabbat, not to violate Shabbat, although there was risk of death, there was threat of death there, that in the book of Hashmonaim, it, it shows that at that time, they, they decreed, they decided, the Bedin of that generation decided that they were allowed to take up arms on Shabbat, but again, it's a development. As with many developments, as we explained in the Hakdama, the Bedin Haggadol has the authority <clears throat> to interpret the Torah and say what the Torah means within certain parameters which we discussed. But all of this that we said that the person should violate a mitzvah instead of being killed is when the mitzvah is not one of these three major prescriptions, major felonies. Abodazara, alien worship, vilui arayot, which means illicit sexual relations, ushfichudamim, which means murder. But if this goy, uh, this this person who is trying to force forcibly have the Jew violate one of the commandments, if he asks them to do one of these three, for example, he asks them uh, bow right now to this idol or I'll kill you, or sleep right now with this woman or I'll kill you, or kill this other person or I'll kill you, uh, the, the mandate is to let yourself be killed and not violate one of these three major sins, the three of which represent the three areas that Torah cares more about of life. One is our relationship with God, that's our Lazara. The other one is the family. You're attempting against the family. And, and finally, our fellow men, that's a, a murder. All of this that we are saying is in the event that the guy who is trying to force the Yehudi to transgress his mitzvot is doing that for his own benefit, for his own pleasure. He wants uh, the Yehudi to build something for him on Shabbat, even though, even though it's on Shabbat. But he does want that, or he wants to to sleep with a Jewish woman, like Hashvelosh did with Esther, um, for for the sake of that, not 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 for something um, more uh, like we're going to see right now. But if the intent is to show, look at me, I Hashvelosh, I'm able to override what God says. God told you not to do this on Shabbat. I say you should do this on Shabbat, and look, you're listening to me and not to God. If that is the intent, if the Goy wants if the Goy wants to make the Jew transgress the mitzvot for the sake of transgressing the mitzvot, not for the sake of what's actually being asked, <clears throat> then it's different. If this was this was um, between the Goy and, and, and this Jew, it was a private affair without 10 Yehudim present, without 10, without a Minyan present, then it still is the case that the Jew should transgress and not be killed. 
But if this was done next to 10 people, 10 members of the Jewish people, then the 10 members of the Jewish people are representing the Jewish people as a whole. There is an audience of the same nation that heard from God at Har Sinai what we should do and what we should not do, that that God is the ultimate authority. And now it becomes a much, much, much larger violation, defilement of the name of God, because it's the name of God being defiled, Betoch Bene Israel, Yiharek Ve'al And therefore, now, it is, uh, it is the case that one needs to let themselves be killed and not transgress, even though the guy is doing this for his own, uh, you know, sorry, when, when the guy is doing this, um, if it's next to 10 Jews. And this is obviously what has been the case uh, through history, with tyrants who wanted to make exactly this point to show that their word is worth more than the word of God. Uh, freedom of religion has always been a staple of a free society and vice versa. And the Jews have always stood on the way of tyranny. And if uh, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, uh, the king and queen of Spain, or etc., etc., et if any of those wanted to, to show their ultimate power and how they their word was the last word, they would take uh, the Jews and they'd, through them they'd try to show that they are more powerful than the God of Israel. And if the Jew gives his life or her life instead of obeying, the statement is very, very loud and very clear. And this is the case, even though the mitzvah is one of the other mitzvot. So just as an illustration, if, uh, let's say, Imach Shemo, King Ferdinand of, of Spain, takes a Jew next to 10 other Jews and tells him, uh, today I know is your Sabbath. I hereby command you to cook this, uh, this meal for me on the Sabbath. So if, and, and I do this, and, and we know that he's doing this to show that his word is worth more than the word of God. So if this had been one of the three major sins that we mentioned before, then it doesn't matter who is watching, who is not watching. This, the, the act by itself is sufficiently offensive to, to warrant giving up your life. But this is not, this is uh, Shabbat. Shabbat is is not one of the three. However, we have the other uh, conditions. We have the motivation of the goy being to show who's boss. We have the audience of 10 people in Israel. And therefore, we had a gvaliyavon. Although it's not one of the three major sins, it's proper, it's appropriate, it's, the, it's mandated to give up your life as many, many Jews have done through history. <clears throat> One further modification now, which might affect the example which we just gave, which referred to what we know until Halachagim. But everything we said is when there is no actual official decree. If the law of the land is not that the Torah cannot be complied with. But if we are in the moment of history, 
where the actual law of the land says one may not fulfill the Torah, as again, as it happened many times, and this is when an evil king like the Bukhatnitzar rises and he, uh, he wants to eliminate the, the religion, the traditions, the law of the Jewish people, or even one of the mitzvot. Then the entire affair, when a goy tells you to do something against the Torah, given that this is a public decree, it's a shemad, then it doesn't matter if the person is doing this in, uh, with, ten, with an audience of 10 Yehudim or not. Um, it, it already is public enough that uh, one should give up their life and not, uh, and not transgress one of his mitzvot. So, if in the example of Ferdinand, it wasn't that Ferdinand himself came and said, I want you to do this, but Ferdinand and Isabel, they wrote up a decree saying, whoever is found practicing Judaism is going to be killed, then everyone should practice Judaism, and everyone should be willing to risk and give up their life um, in order to show that God's word is worth more than the word of a human king, coupled with the threat of life. Whoever decides to give up the life instead of violating a mitzvah, when the halakha is that you should transgress a mitzvah, as we said before, he's responsible for his own death. But when the mandate is to give up your life, and the person gives up their life instead of transgressing the mitzvot. By the way, this was all too relevant for Harambam's time. This, this person did Kiddush Hashem. They sanctified the name of God. They publicized to the world how much we care about what God says. And if this was done among a public of 10 Jews, this is a higher level of Kiddush Hashem, because it's Kiddush Hashem within a representation of the Jewish people, in public. Kedaniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Vazariah, the story of these four uh, figures of Tanakh, the book of Daniel, whom, although they didn't die, but they were willing to, and they were willing to give up their life when Nebuchadnezzar told them to bow down to the golden idol he had erected for himself, they refused. Rabbi Akiva and his, and his peers in the times of Adrian, the Roman Caesar, whose policy was to eradicate Judaism from the land of Israel. And Rabbi Akiva and his friends obviously did not listen and they continued studying and teaching Torah. They are responsible for the Torah that we have today and they gave up their lives to do so, literally. <clears throat> and this is what Hachamim called Harugem Malchut the ones who are killed by the political establishment. That there is no level higher than theirs that one can reach. And it's about those that in Tehillim David HaMelech says for 
Alecha, on, on account of you, Horagnu Kol Hayom, we have been killed, we have been killed uh, every day. How we are like the flock that's being led to be slaughtered. And again, Tehillim also, uh, David Amelech says what God would say about them. Uh, gather to me, Hasidai, my, my, my Hasidim, the ones who, who, um, who behave with me with the Midah of Hesed, who are very aware of my presence. The ones who sign a covenant with me, Ale Zara, they sign a covenant with me on um, a uh, a slaughter. So implying that their own slaughter creates this kind of a covenant with uh, with God and makes them be what God will call Hasidai. Vav, what happens now if? A person, may we never be put in this situation, and Goy tells them, do this Avera because I want to show that I am stronger than God. There is ten Yehudim watching, and the person does the Avera. He transgresses as opposed to give up his or her life. So this is what we call Hillul the defilement of the name of God. And if this was done in public with 10 Jews present, this is a public defilement of God. Also, he gave up or she gave up fulfilling this, uh, this one mitzvah, which is Kiddush Hashem, the affirmative mitzvah, and transgressed the negative mitzvah, which is not to defile the name of God. But even though the person did so, this is not a common transgression. It's not a transgression. It's not that I decide to go out there and uh, let's say that the Avera was Avodazara and do Avodazara by my own volition. Someone actually forced me to do it. I should have not yielded. I should have given up my life. But if I didn't, it's not the same as having chosen it for my own volition. It's called honest. It's called having done it under duress. And Malkin Oto, so there there is no punishment from the bed team. If uh, there is witnesses that saw this person commit Avodazara, there is no punishment. No punishment of uh, Malkut, neither of uh, of Mitat Beddin. Even if the the what was asked from this person was to murder, go and murder your friend, or we'll kill you. And the person went and murdered his friend. He acted under duress, so there is no earthly consequence by a Jewish court. Because one of the elements for being liable for a punishment by a court is ratson, is having having done this birsono out of one's own volition, with witnesses, and also with a warning. Um, in one very interesting um, idol worshippers practice that there used to exist in the land of Israel um, during the times of the Tanakh, it was called Molech. It was according to Harambam, not that the person would offer their children 
as a fire offering and kill them. So what will happen is, let's say I have 10 children, I take one of those and say, okay, you right now are going to be set apart, separated for this god of fire, Molech. And it's a very, very simple, painless procedure. Nothing happens. You and daddy are going to go to the priest of the Molech. He's going to grab you on his on his arm. He's going to carry you and he's going to walk through the fire without getting burned. Just walk very fast back and forth through the fire and that's it. And then that's going to give us, to our family, good luck for the rest of our lives. So the Torah singled out this mitzvah uh, specifically because it was so easy to do and with so few consequences. There was nothing lasting from that. It was seen lightly by the people. But the Torah compared that, the molech, with actually sacrificing your children to, to idols, which in the minds of the people was more severe, to show you that there is no real difference. So in the Molech, in the description, it says that God, on that person that willingly took his son, one of his children, and brought him to the, the Molech ritual, I am going to take care of this person. So this person, or, or more precisely that person, learned they have a tradition that that person comes to exclude, not only from for, for the purposes of Molech, but generally any person who comes and commits a transgression in a way that's not willing. Anus, if he's uh, under duress, if he's mistaken, or if he doesn't know what he's doing. And if the molech, which is the strictest of all the felonies, if someone does it without this volition, is not Hayab Karet, is not uh, guilty of a heavenly punishment of God taking care of this person, of losing his Olam Abba, and obviously not of an earthly capital punishment. We, we learn from here, we infer from here, through the Kalvahomer, for the rest of the mitzvot in the Torah. And in Arayot, the second of the three major felonies, uh, illicit relations, if a married girl is uh, is forcibly, is taken by force, and she has a, an illicit sexual relations, but against her will, the Torah is very explicit, and it says, you, the, 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 uh, this girl, you cannot do anything to her. Uh, you should not do anything to her. She, she did not have the volition necessary for this to have been a punishable act. <clears throat> also happen very often. A group of Jewish women, Goim told them, If a group of Goim comes to this group of Jewish women and tells them, Please choose one of them, obviously not using the word please, choose one of them uh, and we are going to do something inappropriate with one of you, you choose whom, or if you don't choose anyone, we are going to just take you all by force, all of you. So from a utilitarian standpoint, it would be preferable to give up one than to have, let's say, 10 of them 
go through this. But uh, what's being asked here is for the group to collaborate with this. So it's preferable for them to not collaborate, to be 100% passive, to not choose anyone, and to, sub to, to have the consequence of uh, all of them going through this, uh, this terrible thing. Also happened very often. The goyim go to a group of uh, Jewish men this time, and they say, "Give us one of you, so we kill you. We need to kill one of you for whatever, or we'll kill all of you." Let them all be killed, and let them not actively give up one life of their own brethren. If in, in this event they, they actually they single one person out, and this person out already was, everyone knows he's liable for death, like Sheva ben Bechri. Sheva ben Bechri was someone who had, uh, <clears throat> he had uh, uh, rebelled against David HaMelech. So if Sheva ben Bechri, or if someone like Sheva ben Bechri, and by, by rebellion to the king, um, one uh, deserves the capital punishment. If someone deserves a capital punishment, and then they go in, come and ask specifically for this person, they just know where he's hiding, but they want this specific person who already is guilty and liable for the death penalty. Then, in that case, the group may give this person up. They are not choosing anyone; they're just giving him up, and it's someone who is already guilty and, and liable for the death penalty. But if they come and ask what to do, we Everyone else should never tell them that's the right thing to do. If they do it, it is the right thing, but it's not something that we should um, instruct. But if it's not like Shavah it's not someone who is uh, guilty and deserving of the capital punishment, like Shavah ben Bichri, even though he was singled out, the rule goes back to all of us being willing to give up our life and not give up one of our brethren. And just like this is the case with duress, with human coercion by a goy who is trying to, by threat of life, force Jews into a certain action, the same rule applies when there is a malady, there is a sickness, a disease that is forcing a person to do something, and we apply the same rules. Kesad, how so? Our generation, this is much more relevant than, than the last few alakot, but it's very important. If someone is about to die and the, the doctors come and say, what you need to survive is this uh, pork soup. Obviously, we cannot eat pork. Uh, and, and if you have this, this is going to be good for your health. If the person is under the threat of uh, death, if the malady is about to kill him, and the doctors say you need to do something, any of the Averot of the Torah, with the few exceptions we are going to say, one may violate, one may, may transgress in order to medically save someone from dying. And one may uh, try to achieve cure by any transgression from the Torah, 
במקום סכנה, אם יש סכנה חוץ מעבודה זרה וגילוי על השיחות דמים. Other than the three major sins, felonies that we discussed earlier, שאפילו במקום סכנה, that even though uh, there may be a risk of life, אין מתרפאים בהם, uh, one may not uh, get cured, so just to give you a Hollywoodian uh, example, let's say someone needs a transplant of an organ, and only somebody else has it, uh, and if he doesn't get it, he's going to die, of course, we are not going to let him kill his friend in order to save his own life. And if he does go ahead and, and does it, if he does go and murder his other guy to get his, his organ, um, as opposed to the first case of the Goy forcing him to do an action, which meant we considered the whole act to be under duress and therefore not punishable, here, we do consider this punishable, and the freedom of choice, the, will, the willfulness was not affected, and therefore, this is punishable as any other act. And how do we know that even in, in the case of a threat to life, one may not violate one of these three felonies. Because the Pasuk says, you shall love Hashem your Lord with all of your levavicha, with all of your heart or your passion, with all of your life, with all of your uh, possessions, prowess, with all of your uh, means, meodecha. And Rabbi Akiva was the one who said this drasha. What does it mean, nafshecha, with all of your life? You shall love God so much that even if you are put in a situation where you have to give up your life for his sake, you shall be willing to do so. And to kill another, a fellow Jew, in order to save your own skin or someone else, or to save someone from, from, a, from a, a, a goy who is threatening to kill them. This is something intuitive. Obviously, nobody in his right mind would think that you should choose one in, in, instead of the other. Because you should not be the one killing one life in order to save another. And how do we know then that uh, in, in illicit sexual relations is the same case? Because the Torah considers illicit sexual relations which kill the institution of the family and killing another human being, murder, they are in the same category. As it is said about a girl who is raped, the Torah calls this rape of a girl who was, uh, who was engaged, who was Arusa, that like when a person rises up and murders his friend, this is the same. This, to, to, uh, to, to have these illicit sexual relations, is as bad as killing. So we know why we should not kill one to save another. That's common sense. And from this, we can deduce also illicit sexual relations by extrapolations to this pasuk. 
י"א. במה דברים אמורים שהם מתרפאים בשעה לשטרימר במקום סכנה? When are we saying that one may not, that one may only use, may only transgress mitzvot to cure himself or herself if there is a threat of life? When the way by which you do this is the way by which this is normally enjoyed. So again, the example of the pork soup. Pork soup, this is what people do. People eat pork and they can eat it in the form of a soup. Um, so you may not you drink pork soup to cure yourself unless your life is in danger. Like a sick person who needs to eat things which are not kosher, or chametz pesach, or during pesach chametz, or shemachilinu to biyom kipurim, or during yom kipur. Aval shelo derechanatan, but if this is not being done in the common way of enjoying these things, because she osin lo retiyah melugma mechametz meavla. Like for example, you take chametz, which in pesach is forbidden not only to eat but also to derive any benefit from it, and you take this piece of bread. And from this piece of bread, which you are not, which which you are now owning, and you are now deriving a benefit from, you create some sort of a bandage. That's not the way that hamet is meant to be enjoyed. That's not the main act that the that the Torah came to forbid. It came to forbid eating. Um, or for example, let's say that the pork soup wasn't just pork soup; it was a pork soup. That no person in the right mind would drink because it's extremely bitter, right? So it's not something that someone would just have for their own pleasure. It's not something enjoyable to the palate. It's permissible. Even though there is no life threat. With two exceptions, the two exceptions are is any. Anything that came from the mixture of uh, the kerem of the of a vineyard and a field of wheat, that is its its own specific case. Ubasar bechalav also basar bechalav is something that comes from the mixture of meat and milk. Anything anything deriving from these two things, one may only use to cure themselves if their life is actually in danger. Someone uh, got uh, sick over a, a girl and he got into some sort of a depression and he's not eating, he's not drinking and he's about to die. The doctors come and say, we are sorry, the only way this person will ever get through this and survive is if he actually... Uh, goes and satisfies this desire he has with this girl, then even if this girl happens to be single, and not even, not even the actual act, but if the doctors say, you know, it, it's okay if he fulfills his fantasy just by some sort of a, a, an interaction uh, from, uh, from, beneath, from, from behind a curtain, in other words, you put a curtain between them and they talk to each other. And Morin lo will never instruct him to do this v'yamut, and we will let him die. V'lo yorulo ledaber aimom mehoreh ha'imah should be mehoreh ha'gadah. And and uh, 
and we should never instruct this person to talk to this girl even from behind the curtain. Why is this? Um, I think that one of the reasons is we don't believe him um, or we don't know if to believe him or not or this is not a, a physical malady, this is just a psychological malady and there probably are other ways of overcoming this and more importantly as a policy as a policy, we don't want this to become an excuse for the girls of Israel to, to become free for all. We just need to pretend that we are dying. And through this, um, a lot of uh, illicit relationships are going to happen. Yud Gimal. Kol haover midato belo ones. כל העובר מדעתו בלא אונס על אחת מכל מסבות האמורות בתורה. Whoever transgresses willingly, without any coercion, any of the מסבות. בשעת בנפש להכעיס, with, uh, with, with a, a, a willingness to, to, uh, to, to uh, to disrespect the Torah, to show that he doesn't really care about what the Torah says, this also is doing Hilul Hashem. You don't need a goy to tell you what to do for this to be Hilul Hashem. If you do it also to show the same exact thing, that you don't consider Hashem to be your authority, that's Hilul Hashem. And when someone swears in vain, which is is taken to be something pretty willing. You were the one who swore, you were the one who violated it. So it's, it shows a, a, a lack, a, a disregard for, for God who said not to use his name in vain. Uh, that's called Hilul Hashem by This is done in public, this is uh, public Hilul Hashem. In the same thing on the other side, if someone does a misvah or refrains from doing an abedah, not because of anything in the world, but only because he accepts the authority of God, like happened with Yosef that <clears throat> he was presented with a situation where the wife of his master was uh, trying to tempt him, trying to, to seduce him. And there would have been no consequences for him if he agreed. Actually, there would have been a lot of consequences if he didn't agree, like it happened. And he refrained from it just because God was watching and he knew that this was not the right thing to do. That was Kiddush Hashem. Harezem Hashem. There is other things that are Hilul Hashem. Uh, if someone of uh, repute, of reputation as a, as a Tamid Hacham or as someone great in Torah and known to do the right things, like unfortunately happens, uh, has happened in the last few years with a few rabbis. And he does, he goes and does things that will cause people to uh, sort of like murmur to talk to each other about behind his back as he passes by. Even though they are not 
actually felonies. If he's just doing things that are wrong but don't rise the, to, to the point of Avirah, this is someone who does Hilul Hashem. As an example, if someone had, if a big rabbi, let's say, has a charity and is collecting money for his charity and he's taking, he's taking, uh, let's say, 75% of the proceeds to his own salary as administrator of these charities, not Avera. Uh, maybe there was a fine print uh, saying so, but it's definitely someone that will get people talking about this, and I think that this would be an example of Perulashan. gives other examples. Someone buys, uh, someone buys in, on credit although he has to pay, and then he has to have people come and look for him and try to, to get him to pay, and he tries to avoid them, he, tr he tries to run away from his own debts, um, and he has to pay, so that he doesn't have, and Miss Kenny doesn't, he has no other choice, but he has. Or if this uh, very important person is Yarbebis uh, Hawk, He's uh, he's light-headed. He's light-headed. He's he's doing very light things. Very, um, um, he's doing very mundane things among very mundane people. So it's uh, in our terms. Let's say he's uh, every night he's partying, etc. Um, or he doesn't have a personality where he he speaks nicely to people. He doesn't speak nicely to people. He shows a bad face to whoever he sees. And he's the whole time known to be angry and getting into controversy and upset. Obviously, everything according to the actual greatness and the reputation of this Hacham. A person like that, of such repute, must uh, be extra careful with himself and act even beyond what the law requires. And on the other hand, if someone who is a sage, let's say like Haramban or like Rabbi Yohanan, uh, and he was careful with himself and he spoke, whenever he spoke to someone, he spoke very nicely with them. And he made sure to to uh, to have sympathy for them, to, to put his mind with their mind. In other words, to show them that he feels their suffering, if they are suffering, etc. He always greets everyone with with a nice smile. Whenever someone offends him, he doesn't offend anyone. He respects everyone, even those who don't respect him. He does all of his dealings, all of his business. But this is actually a term of art, which is dealt with later in Chotkinyan of someone who is known to be a man of, of the word when they when they are doing business and, and to pay on time. He doesn't. <clears throat> it, it doesn't say that he doesn't do it at all, but he doesn't do this too much of, of going to parties and to gatherings. Of uh, frivolous gatherings that have nothing to do with wisdom or Torah. And every time you see him, he's 
covered with a seat with tefillin on his head like people used to back in the day used to do everything all day and studying Torah everything he does he does even beyond what the law requires of course, we are not saying that he does it too much in an exaggerated, exaggerated, exaggerated way so that he becomes actually um, um, estranged from people. He's not that kind, but rather he's, uh, he does this in a very measured way to a point that everyone is praising him and loves him and wants to learn from his own actions. This also is a Kiddush Hashem that doesn't need anyone to be threatening your life. And about him, in Shayahu, God says, And God said to me, You are my servant, you Israel, that through you I find glory. In other words, uh, God is praising someone who acts in a certain way, doing Kiddush Hashem.